And the rest of us can hear the word of God that for today is in the Gospel of Luke. So I invite everybody to take their Bibles. Are we going to hear the verses that are found in the chapter 14, the Gospel of Luke, verses 25 to 33? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't be first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace in the same way. Those of you who do not give up everything, you have not, you have cannot be my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, we are so grateful to be gathered together in this place, in this space, in time. God, we, we don't believe in uh, accidents or coincidence, God, and so I'm just especially grateful for every single person who is so purposefully placed in this room today. And God, that you know each one of our hearts and our stories, and as we just sing about, you know which ones of us are in seasons of highs and of seasons of lows, and so God, I pray that... Um, in the tenderness of this space, that you would just meet every single one of us right where we're at. And God, would we have a spirit that is open and willing to receive whatever it is that you have for us this morning? Would we be a people that have ears to hear and, oh, let us hear? Because, God, we trust that you're good and you're good is best for us. And so, Father, we love you, and we trust you, and we give you this time, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. I uh, I've not been here for a couple of Sundays, and so it's just really nice to get to be with my church family. Uh, and the reason why I haven't 
been here is because I was gone on maybe the most epic adventure of my life uh, with my best friends in the world, my college roommates. I think we have a picture up on the screen. This is me and my college roommates. We were in Portugal in this picture. Um, and truly, we had this amazing European trip uh, that we will be talking about for the rest of our lives. Uh, just a gift, a gift to be together, a gift to be one another, and such a gift to be able to do this. And uh, this trip uh, was three years in the making. Uh, it took lots and lots of planning, uh, lots of side jobs and saving money, <laughs> uh, lots and lots of hours on Zoom calls, planning and finalizing our itinerary, to finally come together for this epic adventure that we had just been eagerly awaiting. And I'll never forget when one of the nights we were sitting at this beautiful uh, hotel restaurant in Paris and we had just finished dinner and we're sitting around talking and there was just this shared, sincere sense that for us, uh, we could have been hanging out under a bridge and we still would have been laughing and having fun because it wasn't as much about where we were, it was the fact that we were together. Now, getting to see the Eiffel Tower is just kind of cherry on top of the cake, but uh, the real gift is the gift of being with one another. And, and now, it has been almost 10 years since we've graduated college, and trust me, I feel a lot of different ways about that, okay? Um, but in those 10 years, uh, something that has continued to be of importance to each one of us is deeper connection through shared experience. And as you can imagine, as life continues to go on, and when I don't share a house with my best friends anymore, it takes a lot more planning and time and sacrifice to be able to continue to see one another. Uh, it's, it's never convenient, honestly. It takes saving up time. It takes saving up PTO time. It takes saving up finances because we live in different cities, different states, even different countries. But yet, for us, we have counted the costs and we can't afford to be without each other. We have found it so valuable to be with one another that we will do whatever it takes to keep fighting for that great reward that is our friendship with one another. So just because the costs are great does not mean there is not great reward. And I just feel like I was on 10 days of a great reward getting to spend time and to see the world uh, with people that I love more than almost anyone. Because even though the cost is great, it does not mean it is not worth the cost. And we've counted the cost, and we just can't afford to miss out on the reward of a forever friendship. And, and similarly, in our text today, uh, we find Jesus 
uh, asking the disciples to consider the true cost of following Jesus, the true cost of being a disciple. And Jesus is presenting the disciples right here with the opportunity to truly count the cost and to see if they believe that the great cost are worth the great reward of a forever relationship, a forever fellowship with him. And before we arrive at this conversation, this moment with Jesus and the disciples, I feel like it's, it's really important to know where we've been leading up to this conversation, okay? So in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, where, we're, we, where we are at today in this text, from around Luke 8 or 9 all the way up to Luke 14, where we find ourselves today, we see this consistent display of Jesus over and over again presenting the costs of what it means to be a disciple. He's asking the people that are listening to these parables and teachings to reconsider pretty much all that they've known how to operate in their lives. He's asking them to reconsider what they know about money, what they know about resolving conflict, on how to treat the poor and the oppressed, the sick, how to deal in relationship with one another. And, and, and Jesus is, is asking them this because to be a part of God's kingdom is to live in a counterculture reality. He's continually putting on display for the people who have ears to hear really what it means to follow him. Because what he's inviting them into doesn't really look like what they've known. And he wants them to know that, to really evaluate, really consider what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and he's not watering down the uncomfortableness of living for God. Uh, and, and he is simultaneously, while he's inviting people to come in and join in this mission with him, as Jesus is inviting people to tag along, to join arm in arm and say, hey, we're going after this thing called bringing God's kingdom from heaven to earth. While he's simultaneously inviting them in, he's also making sure they know what this mission is and what it isn't. Both the joy and the sacrifice, both the miracles and the muck and the mire. I mean, starting off in Luke 9, pretty much the very beginning of the text, we see Jesus uh, telling, they're about to set out, and Jesus says, okay, Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to act as the disciples, okay? This is how you're going to follow me, what it looks like to follow after me. You're not going to take a staff. You're not going to take a bag. Oh, guess what? You're not going to take any bread. No money. No money. Uh, and not even an extra shirt. Okay. Okay, that's maybe different than how I would normally plan to go on a trip, but okay, 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 right out the gate. This is, this is what it looks like to follow after Jesus, a whole lot of faith. And then right after in the text, we see some faith really having to be put to action uh, when, when Jesus tells the disciples to feed 5,000 people 
And the disciples are like, well, Jesus, we've got like about five loaves and two fish. I don't, the math isn't mathing. I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do this. And yet, the disciples get to witness and be a part of Jesus providing their every need. But wow, that requires some faith, right? It requires some faith to lean in and be a part of what Jesus is doing. And then we continue on in Luke, and we, and we have this section of Scripture where Jesus is calling out the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the experts of the law uh, in a section in, in chapter 11 of Luke that would be called the woes. And he, he is going after, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And one of the woes that he, that he says in verse 42, he says, you, you keep loving you love keeping the tithe, but yet you neglect the justice and love of God. And in that verse, it says, you have practiced, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus is saying, hey, I hear what you care about, but you can't care about one without the other. To be a follower of me, yes, Yes, keep the tithe, honor that. Sure, of course, I am asking that of you, but don't you dare neglect the justice and love of God. Because to be a follower of me, I'm requiring both. I'm requiring both. And any of us who have followed Jesus for any amount of time know that doing both is, is tough. And then continues on in, in Luke 12, uh, Jesus gives warning about being rich on things rather than a treasure of God. Because one will last forever and one will only last with you. So Jesus is clear about, about following him and being with him. You have to be more concerned about the treasure that is forever and eternity in heaven with him and being a part of bringing that heaven on earth than you are about storing up earthly possessions that go nowhere past you. That's big. And so then we arrive in chapter 14, okay? And, and before we even get to the verses of today, we see right before these verses, we are seeing Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath, which is a big deal. That's a no-no for the, for the Pharisees and religious people. Uh, but he heals a man on the Sabbath who is suffering physically. And we hear Jesus give the parable of the great banquet, and what's important in both of these that set up right before our verses today is that Jesus is showing us that it is not easy to follow him because you have to be willing to humble yourself. You have to be willing to humble yourself because those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And and in the parable of the great banquet, Jesus goes on to say that many have received the invitation. Many have received the invitation to feast with God in the kingdom forever. But only few have humbled themselves and will leave their excuses to join Jesus at his table. 
And then we arrive here. We arrive here in our verses today in chapter 14, verse 35, and we kind of just get this mother load of truth laid down. And if, if we needed a little bit more indication of what we were about to read, the title that's been added for us as the readers uh, labels this conversation as the cost of being a disciple. Uh, just in case we needed a little more heftiness and heaviness to what we are about to read. And I have to say, like, if I have been reading the Gospel of Luke up until this point, specifically even the journey that I just briefly took us through, from like Luke 9 all the way up to Luke 14, and then I get to a chapter that says the cost of being disciple, I'm kind of thinking, isn't that what we've been talking about how can there really be more? <laughs> Am I ready for more? I don't know. I feel like all I've been doing is hearing about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. But okay, okay, here we go. Uh, what possibly more could there be? And I'll take it a step further, even for, for just a moment for us, not only as the readers of today, but let's put ourselves creatively in that moment as a disciple, okay? Let's say we have been walking with Jesus up until this point, that we have seen him do miraculous things like heal people, feed the 5,000. We've also seen him challenge the ways in which the culture operated. He challenged the Pharisees, challenged the religious leaders. We have, we have been watching him and being a part of his ministry step by step. How do you think we feel right now? I think we maybe feel a couple of type of ways. One, I feel like we probably feel tired. <laughs> like really tired. But, but, but like a holy exhaustion. Any of you who've ever been on a mission trip or maybe you who just live your life rung out for Jesus know what it's like to get to the end of a day and be like, my gosh, I didn't know I could be so tired. But I wouldn't rather spend my time being spent in any other way. I'm eagerly awaiting to, to experience that or step into that in a couple weeks with our, with our youth on mission trip. There's nothing like a holy exhaustion. And, and I would argue that that's probably what our followers of Jesus are feeling right now. Probably feeling tired. Um, I would argue, too, they're probably feeling nervous Maybe a little nervous. Maybe a little nervous about what is the next thing they will experience with Jesus. Uh, because <laughs> we can read this now and know that, oh yeah, like Jesus was just this counterculture guy. But imagine yourself being someone who has to live in that culture and you're saying you're following that guy. I feel like you're just kind of walking on eggshells being like, oh yeah, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna heal that guy on the Sabbath. Okay, okay, yeah, that is the right thing. That is the right thing, but I feel uncomfy, but I'm gonna follow you. Oh, okay, yes, he's gonna call out the Pharisees 
again, yep, yep, he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it, but I'm believing, I am believing in him. Like you just, Jesus was kind of like, like a magic eight ball. You, you just shook it up and you don't know what you're gonna get, right? And in comparison to what they had experienced and what they were, what they were used to experiencing, what it meant to, to be a follower of God, Jesus was flipping the script, so I could only imagine that it's got to be a little nerve-wracking following this guy, just really, truly not knowing what's coming next, and maybe not knowing what choice you're going to be faced with next, right? And then lastly, I, I could imagine being a disciple, having experienced all of this thus far with Jesus, learning and trying to understand and trying to weigh out the cost of following Jesus. I'm probably equal parts filled with peace and also wading through underlying doubts. I'm equally wrestling from a place of eager expectation and excitement with Jesus because like we just, like we just saw, being with Jesus is really exciting. Being a part of his ministry is unlike anything that they'd experienced before. But yet also, I can't imagine, I can't imagine that when they're laying their head down, that there's not this underlying thought of, is this worth it? Is this worth everything? And then we have these words spoken by Jesus in Luke 14, verses 26 through 27. And it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Okay. another wave of this whole following Jesus thing is not light work. It's costly. And, and previously, earlier in Luke 14, Jesus said that coming to God was like accepting an invitation. But yet here, Jesus is adding that to be his follower is more than simply accepting an invitation. It means that you have to boldly set Jesus first. That to be a, a true disciple, Jesus must come first. Other relationships are of lower priority than faithfulness and obedience to Jesus. This is an audacious demand from Jesus. No other apostles or prophets had made such a personal, such a personal commitment or asked for such a personal devotion and commitment like this. 
No other rabbi, no other rabbi that they could follow his teachings had asked something so costly as even your own life, you've got to hate it to be my disciple. If Jesus was not and is not God, to follow this command would be idolatry and probably insanity. If Jesus isn't who he says he is, this is nuts. And repeatedly, repeatedly in the Bible, we are watching and seeing Jesus establish this way of love and not hate. But yet, Jesus used the strong word hate to show how great the difference must be between our allegiance to Jesus and our allegiance and our devotion to everything else. Jesus is inviting the disciples and us disciples to consider where our love lies highest. And then continuing on in this scripture, Jesus goes on to give two cost analysis, if you will, two examples of, in situations to analyze the cost uh, described in the building of a tower and a king before going into battle. And in, in, in both of these examples, Jesus is emphasizing, emphasizing the importance of analyzing the costs before entering the project or entering into the battle. Why? Why? Why is it so important to Jesus to tell people who are wanting to follow him, who are gathering around to listen to what he has to say, why is he continually like, yes, yes, okay, I want you to, I want you to follow me, but here, but here, analyze the cost, really consider, really consider following me. Why is he doing this? Because if you don't know the cost, you'll either end up short or suffering. You'll either end up short on your own supply of strength and quit on him before your job's complete, or you'll suffer through the battle for the kingdom that no one prepared you to fight. It is the kindness and love of God that we are offered the choice of his love. It is a kindness to us that it is a choice. But it is also the most loving act to be so very clear about what it is that we're choosing when we choose him and his love. And here's the sweet part. Yes, there is great cost to following Jesus. 
And as we can see in our text today, that Jesus himself did not sugarcoat that. And I, myself, standing here, I'm not sugarcoating what it means to follow Jesus, that it will cost you something. It will cost, none of us get out of here uh, rent-free. The cost of discipleship is so high. Yes, it costs us everything. But Jesus paid it all. I'm telling you, you can afford the cost of discipleship because the cost you couldn't pay has been paid for. The debt that was so wide, the debt that was so overwhelming that there is no way you could have ever paid this in full. Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, he paid the cost you couldn't afford to give you the life you can't afford to lose. This means that you can afford to leave behind what you think you need to follow Jesus. Not only has he provided the finished work of the cross, but he promises to provide our daily bread, our every need, as we lay down our lives to him. That is a promise, and he makes good on it. And, and you might be asking yourselves, but genuinely, how, how can I afford to be a disciple, okay? This is gone from just we're reading about the disciples' experience to this is, a, this is a choice right in front of me. And it is. It's right in front of us for us today, friends. How can we afford the cost of discipleship? Can we afford the cost of discipleship? How can you and I walk out a life that could cost us everything? Because Jesus isn't inviting us into great cost without great reward. Yes, the sacrifice to follow Jesus may look like a legitimate cost of your resources, your time, your money. Maybe even some of your relationships. I don't know. But it is with the blessed assurance of the sweetest reward that is a life with Jesus. The most worthwhile investment you'll ever make. The best ROI, the best return on investment that you can ever have. Payments made in daily acts of faithfulness. And by act, I mean simply every day saying, God, my life is not my own. It's yours. My life as a payment in reflection of your life being the greatest payment of all. And at the end of this section of scripture, 
It's really beautiful. Um, in verse 33, Jesus ends this invitation slash evaluation uh, with, with the words, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And you know what's beautiful? The very next two verses, we're told who has ears to hear. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. We have to know our need is great to pay the cost every single day. If we don't think we need it, we won't pay for it, right? Gosh, the temptation to close ourselves off and think we know what we need at the cost of our very souls. May we be a people who have ears to hear the great invitation of Jesus and after evaluating the cost would say, you are worth it because you alone are the greatest reward. That we have counted the cost and we just can't afford to live a life without him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because even though the cost is great, he is worth the cost. The payment of my daily life because Jesus paid it all. Because he is good. And it is for our good and for his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you that, gosh, and through the avenue of your scripture, empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit and led by all wisdom and all truth, God, that you love us too much to not tell us the truth. God, that while you, you made a way for us to be with you and to follow you, and you did not hold anything back, Payment in full. You are constantly loving us. You are constantly loving us, not only by giving us access to you, but loving us enough to tell us the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, all in between about what it means to follow you. God, thank you for your kindness in your gift of clarity to us so that we can, so that we, we can sit before you, God, and, and look at the costs and say, is it worth it? Is he worth it? And God, even on our hardest days, I pray that we would say yes. 
Because while a life with you was never guaranteed to be easy, if anything, in these scriptures today, we have been reminded that it, it's almost guaranteed to not be easy all of the time. But God, that you promise that it is worth it. Help us believe that it is worth it. When our hearts and minds want to choose something different, when we want to give our payment somewhere else, God, would you remind us that yes, the cost is great, but you are worth it all because Jesus paid it all. God, you are so good. And you are so good to us. And we love you and we trust you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.